now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Swift Vieira's Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. Knock that fire down, 19. Copy, Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19. All new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either, you are listening to Ratchet and Respectable. (sighs) I'm back in Johannesburg. It has been beautiful since I got back. I came back on Wednesday night and it was the most beautiful sunset. It was a beautiful welcome back. I have complained, and you've listened to me complain, about the electricity situation, the rain situation. I was like, look, Johannesburg, I'm very happy to be here. Y'all gonna have to pick a struggle. It can't rain every day and the power be out half the day too. The power is still out half the day. As of right now, it's three o'clock. The power has been out since noon. It comes back on at 4.30 and it goes back out again from 8 to 12.30. It's a lot. It's a lot. But it is a beautiful sunny day in Johannesburg. The sunsets have been something out of God's own design studio. And the weather's nice. It's a nice 83 with low humidity. I'm on a high floor, so I've got a bit of a breeze. The entire wall of my living room is floor-to-ceiling windows, so I have a large panoramic view of the city. It's been absolutely beautiful. Like, every time I walk into my apartment, which I haven't really left like that, but every time I walk into my apartment, I'm kind of like, wow. It's a good feeling. But honestly, I haven't done anything since I got back. Thursday, I literally stayed in the bed until 6 o'clock. I got up to make myself something to eat and then got back into bed. Like, I was exhausted. And right now, it's 3 o'clock and I'm just getting out to bed now. Like, I am tired. It was one thing to work from 8 to 1 when I was, you know, just chilling, running a few errands during the day. But when I was in Cape Town, I was trying to maximize my time. I'm going to breakfast, brunches, lunches, dinners, cocktails. Like, I'm just running around all day to make it back by 7.30 to sit in front of my computer for five hours. I did it because, like, I get shit done, but not the best idea. I was like, I need a break. My EP told me last night I had the day off today. I almost wanted to cry in relief. And the thing is, I like it. It's just like I'd be exhausted sometimes. And then sitting up in the dark for two hours while I'm on a Zoom call. <laughs> I got this little industrial strength flashlight set up like a, what is it called? A ring light or something. So, I, so I'm not just sitting up in the absolute dark like people can see me on the video. I was like, really? We're normalizing this? I'm acting like this is normal? Sitting in the dark just makes me tired. Like the last couple of days, the power's been out from like 8 to 10.30, which is the first part of the Zoom call. And then after we come back from quote and unquote lunch, like I have light again, I have much more energy. But I was like sitting up in the dark, trying to be like present and trying to come up with jokes or my dry humor. I don't actually think this shit's funny, but then I say stuff and people just like fall out. And I'm like, oh, okay, I accept it. I'm taking next week off from the writer's room. One, because I need a break. But two, I'm going to Victoria Falls. I'm going to Zambia. I have been obsessing over Victoria Falls for the last, I don't know, I'd probably say 10 years. I'd never even heard of it 
I think until the first time I came to South Africa and my friends were like, oh, what are you going to do while you're here? And I was like, well, I want to go to Cape Town. I want to go to Kruger, which I also didn't make it to. And they were like, oh, you have to go to Victoria Falls. I mean, it's right there. And I was like, is it? What is it? It's a waterfall. It's supposed to be twice as high as Niagara Falls and twice as long. I've never been to Niagara Falls either. I tried to go to, what's the falls in Brazil? I was supposed to meet Davida there one year. That's how I ended up going to Brazil. And I didn't know I needed a visa. So like the day before, I had to change my ticket. It starts with the I, I-G-U. I ain't going to try to pronounce it because I can't remember it. And if I did, I would still butcher it. But you know what I'm talking about. There's a falls in Brazil that I really wanted to see. And then that didn't happen. I don't know if I've ever been to like a proper waterfall. Like I've seen, you know, water falling over the edge. Like I've seen like many waterfalls, but like the big and beautiful, really impressive ones. Love the idea of it. I'm obsessed with water because, you know, cancer, water sign, but never been to a falls. My first one. It's supposed to be the big one. And then I'm staying at this hotel. They have zebra, zebra, as they're called here. I said zebra the other day and somebody was like, excuse me, a, a zebra, a zebra, a zebra. And I was like, oh, so I'm colored in this part of the world and zebras aren't zebras. They're zebras adapting but there's zebra and giraffe giraffes a giraffe is giraffe plural or singular i feel like there's one giraffe many giraffes sorry english nerd shit lots of giraffes we're gonna go with we're gonna go with the s and zebras walking around the property it's in a nature reserve so they don't put up guards or anything like that the animals run free and there's a bunch of them like this when i was asking people i was like oh which is the hotel where you can like feed the giraffes and the zebra and they were like there's like that's kind of what they do like in victoria's falls like they're like all of them i don't know if that's accurate but i did see more than one place that did it but you can just like literally they're just walking around outside so if you want to go see them you can just be like hey i'm gonna go you know feed you they're vegetarian they're not gonna eat me and they're very safe i wouldn't suggest walking behind them because zebra are like in the horse family and giraffe's got long ass legs i mean they skinny but they look like they could kick the fuck out of you and bump you in the head I've seen a video of somebody getting bumped in the head by a giraffe. Their heads are massive. going to hang around Johannesburg this weekend. The weather is beautiful. I have some plans for, you know, brunches, lunches, dinners. They have a lot of, not flea markets, farmer's markets here. Leisurely brunches. They're, they chill hard here. They party hard too, but they chill hard here too. So looking forward to a prosperous weekend. What else is going on? We have good black news this week. Some of it better than others. Let's start with the good part. The brat is pregnant. She and her wife, Judy, are expecting their first child together. Judy has three children from a previous relationship. I didn't realize the brat was 48. I don't know how old I thought she was. I knew she was older than me, but I didn't think she was five years older than me. But I also thought she was much older than me because she was like, you know, famous when I was a kid. For me, especially when a celebrity is a celebrity, when I was a teenager or in college, I just assumed they were much, much older than me because I just figured like in order to be famous, you have to be older. I thought she was more, but I also thought she was less. I don't know. But she and her wife are pregnant. I knew they got married, so that wasn't a thing. I never really thought about them having kids. I just, I don't know why. I just didn't. And I guess if I had thought about it, I just would have assumed that that Judy would have been the one to carry. I don't know if that's wrong to think. I hope it isn't, but but I'm just being honest about it. And I guess I would have thought that because she's the more feminine um, presenting partner. Maybe that was just an ignorant assumption on my part. I mean, they are both women. They are both capable of, of carrying children, evidently, because the brat is pregnant. And in fairness, she was like, this wasn't something that I planned. She was like, one, like when we got married, I never thought about having kids. So now I don't feel bad about like not even thinking it for them. But she was like, I didn't think it. And then 
she was like, you know, I was thinking that like, it might be good to have a kid. Like I'm madly in love and I want to create a person who is a reflection of this love. And we can love each other and love this child unconditionally and just be a big ball of love. And I was like, okay, I get it. And the plan was initially, I've read this in People. People broke the story. And she said they planned for Judy to carry, but they did some tests and she had a lot of health complications. And they were like, well, that's not going to work. And they were like, well, you know, the brat, you got a womb. You could carry. And she was like, who got a womb? And Judy also said, because I saw they went on Sherry to talk about it, too. And Judy said that, you know, she's like, I've had three children. I've experienced pregnancy three times. And I would love for her to have that experience as well. And so, you know, they really wanted the kids. So so the brat was like, all right, I'll do it. They did it the first time she had a miscarriage, which I was like, oh, my God. So they tried again. I read they used an anonymous sperm donor. But they tried again, and this time she's she's made it past the first trimester, which is why they're announcing. But good for them. I'm very excited. Tons of people are very much in support of this relationship, of this baby. They are very happy for them. I am very happy for them. I don't know how you watch them. To read the story is one thing. To see them on Sherry, they're just like giggly over the moon. The brat is nervous as fuck. She's pregnant and not just pregnant at 48. I mean, just pregnant, period. Like it's you're growing a whole human inside of you. Like it's a it's a real science experiment. Like, I mean, I know it's natural. I know it's normal, but it's like it's some science experiment shit. Like your body be going through all sorts of changes and people don't really talk very openly about all the things that your body goes through as a pregnant woman. Like my friends be saying shit to me and I'd be like, oh, girl, and this is why I'll be an eternal auntie. I thought one thing the brat said that was really interesting. She was like, I never expected to carry a baby. That was not going to be my portion in life. She was like, I was a whole 48 years old. Who think about carrying a baby at 48 years old? And a lesbian at that. She was like, no. I was like, ooh. Because I'd be very adamant. Like, no, never, no. I've never desired to have a child. Contemplated it seriously once with one person. Like, under the right circumstances, I would have had a kid with him. But under the right circumstances, I would have had a kid with him. And it still wasn't a, oh, I want to be a mom. It was kind of a like, yeah, if we got pregnant, like, mm, yeah, we do this. It got as far as that. It didn't get like, oh, I really want a baby. Like, mm, not really. But I don't know. Like, the brat got me out here. Like, you could be adamant about something at like 43. But like, biologically, like, my time is fast. It's not going to happen. And then fuck around and be like, 48. I think I'm going to have a kid. What? It's kind of scary. But there were folks who absolutely lost their mind over this announcement. Apparently... A woman who wears what are considered masculine clothing in American culture. Apparently, that's weird if that woman decides to have a child. Because people see the brat as a man because of the way that she dresses. And she can be masculine presenting at times. Being masculine presenting doesn't mean you're not a woman. Like, people are very shocked by this pregnancy. And to be fair, the brat has said it was not on her bingo card. But still, people were very up in arms. This is wrong. This is an abomination. This is ungodly. And it's not even because, like, oh, it's two lesbians or, oh, because it's artificial insemination. It's because they really perceive the brat as manly. She's never called herself a man. She's never said that she was a trans man or anything like that. She's always said that she was a woman. It even took her years to come out and say that she was a woman who loved women. I think we all assumed somewhere back in the 2000s, but she never said it, which is, you know, her right. No problem. People are like, oh my God, like the brat is having a baby, an abomination. What is the world coming to? Jesus, come now. We need you, Father. Because a woman is pregnant? It can't even be because she's a woman of 48 that's pregnant. 
Tamron Hall was 50. Jada Jackson was 50. We've seen women who are in their late 40s, even early 50s, be whole pregnant and have healthy children before. It's not that. That's, that's not new. It's really because it's like a masculine presenting woman. Like she's still a woman. Putting on pants and wearing cornrows doesn't make you non-woman. It just means you're a woman in cornrows and wearing pants. Who told us a few years ago, like, and I, by the way, I, I love women. Like, yeah, we knew, sis. We knew. The brat sister, Lisa Ray. I keep forgetting they're related. I don't know how. It's one of those things that like, my mind just doesn't, like, wrap around. But apparently, the brat went to people and told people, literally people, the magazine, and was like, hey, me and my wife, we're having a baby. I'm four months pregnant. I'm carrying the baby. Here are some exclusive photos. And people was like, this is amazing. We're going to run these photos and tell the world about your joy. They told people. People told the world. That's how Lisa Ray found out, apparently. Lisa Ray said the brat didn't call her. Her sister didn't call her and tell her that she was pregnant. This is the second time the brat has had big news that she didn't share with her sister. I think when she got with Judy. Was it when they got engaged? I don't know. She didn't tell Lisa Ray about that, that either. Lisa Ray found out the same time everybody else. And she was like, I'm hurt. I can't believe my sister did this. I think did they have a TV show or some sort of like, you know, public dialogue about it. Like I vaguely remember this. Clearly there's some family issues there. Clearly. And I'm not judging that. I'm just pointing it out. Like, y'all have some issues. I don't know how it came into the public spectrum that, that Lisa Ray is telling people that she didn't know. Maybe somebody asked her and she just answered honestly. That could be the case. But whatever it is, I hope that they, um, they could amend it. Because they're sisters. Or, you know, if there's some, some issues going on, clearly there are, um, that the brat is not willing to work through. Maybe there's been, you know, so much damage in the relationship that she's not willing to repair it that's a choice too i don't know the ins and outs of their family and don't need to know i don't like to see families feuding about like deep-seated shit because this is clearly deep-seated you don't call your own sister to be like hey i'm pregnant at 48 you ain't say shit something's up rihanna did the same thing she didn't tell her father her father came all the way to the super bowl and didn't know rihanna was pregnant nobody said anything and i was like oh People tell on themselves when they say stuff like that. But folks be telling on the dynamics. Like Rihanna's father was like, yeah, I flew out to the Super Bowl, which speaks to like them having some sort of relationship, a positive relationship. Because if she didn't really fuck with him at all, he wouldn't have been invited to the Super Bowl. But he got an invite to the Super Bowl. He got flewed out. But nobody told him she was pregnant. She didn't tell him. No other family member told him. Because surely it wasn't just the mom who knew. Nobody else told you. Like there's some dynamics at play there. He would be telling their business without telling their business. Whatever it is, like, take, take the public out the family group chat. This is something that all we can do is speculate on. We can't resolve any of it. Like, y'all need to take this to a therapy session if anybody's willing. Or talk to each other if anybody's willing. The public won't do nothing but make the situation worse. But congratulations to the brat and Judy. I'm very happy for them. If you haven't watched the Sherry clip with the brat, she's so nervous. I totally understand why. But she's just so nervous about the whole situation. Like, she's giddy. She's nervous. She's scared. Like, she just... She don't know what she's doing. She's just carrying this baby and sleeping all the time. Good for them. In other good back news, Snowfall is back. We talked in previous podcast episodes about the first two episodes of Snowfall. I told you I got the screeners early. So hopefully you've seen episode two where I was like freaking out about Uncle Jerome and Franklin in the coffee shop. It's one of the best scenes in television I've seen in a long time. Like the acting, the dialogue, the setting, the music. The direction, the lighting, like everything. This is just a piece of perfection of TV. Hopefully you've seen it. If you have not, with haste, with haste, 
Go watch it. I've also seen episodes three and four. It was really late when I watched them. And so I'm going to say what I thought, but I'm also going to reserve my opinion to say if I watch them again at a, at a better hour where I'm not so tired, maybe I feel differently. Didn't love them. Didn't love them. And actually, when I was watching both of the episodes at that, I was like, yo, are they about to GOT this season? Are they about to GOT this season? I'm nervous. I'm nervous. I'm going to go back and watch. And hopefully I have like a different opinion because like Snowfall is one of my favorite shows. Or maybe... Maybe these are like, you know, episodes where you just have to get a lot of information out to set up, you know, for what's going to happen for the end of the season, for the finale of the show, because this is the final season of the show. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's that kind of situation. I said, what the fuck out loud and not like in a good way, but I was like, what, what, what is this? Like, that was my reaction. So uh, you watch next week and you let me know what you think. But I watched it and I was like, mm, mm. Bel Air is back, which I totally forgot was coming back. Like, I think in my mind, I had like, oh, it's coming back the end of February. And then somehow I didn't realize I was actually in the end of February. I've had like, you know, some busy February. I've been on three different continents, moved to one of them. There's a lot going on. Totally forgot it was back. Got an alert on my phone. They only put the first episode up because it's season two. I think season one, they put the first three episodes up to get us engaged. But now they're like, we got you now. So, but it was really good. Like, I am very emotionally invested in this family. To the point that, like, when people do stupid shit, I don't even curse at the screen. I'd be like, that's not, that's not right. That's not right. That's not right. Like, y'all need to talk. Y'all need to have a conversation. I don't like this. I don't like this at all. I don't like to see this feuding. I don't, like, I, I cry when there's, like, you know, a reunion on the show. Like, I, I get worried about the characters. I'd be worried about Will and his cousins like they're my kids. Like, I'd be genuinely worried about their well-being and, with the, and the choices that they make in their lives. Like, no, you're going to have to speak up about that, sis. Like, she's not, she's not doing right by you. And, okay, what's happening here? Like, I'm really invested in what's going on in Ashley's life and her development. I'm very invested in this show. And Aunt Viv, I'm fine with. I'm a little worried about this Michael Ely situation, but she seems to have a good head on her shoulders and Phil is doing much better in the support department. So it's not like she's lacking for something there. She's also frustrated with some things Michael Ely is doing. So I don't see her drifting in that direction. Like it's a temptation, but I think she's going to make smart choices. But Phil, Phil in this like this, this, this ego of his, this pride, this ego, he's got this beef with Jeffrey and he's got this beef with Will. Will is not in the home. It's, it's very frustrating for me. Very frustrating. I am so emotionally invested in this show. But episode one is really, really good. If you love what Bel Air did last season, it's just, it's a continuation. It's a continuation. The writing is still strong. The storyline is still strong. They still in that big ass house in that little ass kitchen. The two bedroom condo I'm living in right now, the kitchen is bigger than the Bel Air kitchen. And it's just me up in here. Get these people a decent sized kitchen. That's literally my only complaint about the show. Oh, Unimprisoned. I haven't watched it. It's a new show on, is it Hulu? I think it's on Hulu. Unimpressed. Created by Yvette Lee Bowser, who's done 50 million things, but will always be best known for living single. It's also starring Carrie Washington and Delroy Lindo, a.k.a. West Indian Archie. I had actually heard nothing about this show until two days before it was coming out. I follow... I guess I follow Yvette Lee Bowser. I must follow Carrie Washington too. But I saw the trailer on Yvette Lee Bowser's page and I was like, oh, okay. She is known for her quality work. And then, you know, again, Carrie Washington and Delroy Lindo, two amazing actors. From what I gathered from the trailer, I didn't watch the first episode yet. I just haven't had time. Carrie Washington appears to be a single mom 
And her father, Delroy Lindo, is getting out of prison. Apparently he was a big drug dealer, but he's getting out of prison after 17 years. And he ends up living with Carrie Washington and her kid. I'm sure there's way more to it than that. It's a comedy, not a drama. There's, there seems to be plenty of humor in it. Um, I just haven't had a chance to watch it. I'm just trying to figure out like how I completely missed that this show was coming out. And I was like, was there any announcement about it? Was there buzz about it? Like I heard nothing. But good for working black actors. I'll give you a review next week. I should have a chance to watch it by the time we speak on Tuesday. What else is on our list? Oh, this is good black news. I mean, yes, it counts as good black news. I mean, it's fucked up for him. Uh, but he deserved it. R. Kelly, he's been locked up forever and a day. He just got sentenced to more jail time. I want to say like an extra 20 years. R. Kelly, already serving 30 years for sex trafficking, is sentenced to 20 more years in prison. It sounds more dramatic than it is. I'm reading this on USA Today. 19 of those years will be served concurrently with his existing prison time, meaning only one year gets added to the end of his previous 30-year sentence. R. Kelly is 56. He'll be dead in 30 years. He's not getting out of prison. This sentencing is from when he was found guilty in September on three counts of child pornography and three counts of child enticement. He was acquitted on a fourth pornography count, as well as a conspiracy to obstruct justice charge when he was accused of fixing the state child pornography trial in 2008. I think that's from the video that we all saw of him urinating on the child, the 14-year-old who looked 11. USA Today points out that even with all his convictions and sentencing, Kelly will serve no more than 31 years and that he'll be eligible for release at around age 80, providing him hope of one day leaving prison alive. Who the fuck wants R. Kelly on the street? You know what? I'm, I'm lying because there are some free R. Kelly people in the world. Those mofos need to be locked up too. Anybody who thinks that needs to be locked up too. You're not safe. You're not safe to be amongst the population. And then we need to talk about Harvey Weinstein. His conviction doesn't fall under good black news, but it's good news nonetheless. And I just feel like it's important to mention because anytime R. Kelly's name is brought up, there's a whole contingent of people who be like, well, what about Weinstein? What about Weinstein? There's R. Kelly, but what about Weinstein? He was freshly sentenced this week too. He's already been serving time in jail. He's been locked up for a minute. He was sentenced to another 16 years for rape and sexual assault. This is CNN reporting. They said the former Hollywood mogul was already serving a 23-year 23 23-year 23 prison sentence in New York. He was sentenced in Los Angeles on Thursday to an additional 16 years in prison for charges of rape and sexual assault. Harvey says that the case is a setup. He says, I'm, I maintain that I'm innocent. I never raped or sexually assaulted Jane Doe 1. I never knew this woman, and the fact is she doesn't know me. This is about money. He asked the judge, please don't sentence me to life in prison. I don't deserve it. His attorneys asked the judge to consider that he was a 70-year-old man in bad health. Fuck you. Fuck you. No, seriously, fuck you. You should have thought about that when he was out here raping people with your micro dick. <sighs> he was convicted for sexual penetration by a foreign object, and forcible oral copulation. He forced this woman in a Beverly Hills hotel room in 2013. Sick. Sick. He and R. Kelly are sick. They deserve to be locked away. 
They are a danger to womankind. They must be locked away for the protection of others. What else is going on? Ebony has thoughts and things to say. There's so much drama this week. I don't think we can even get to all of this. We might have to save some of it for next week. Ebony has responded to... So when we talked about this literally on Tuesday, how the first cover with Jonathan Majors, like everyone was like, oh my God, and basically throwing panties at their Instagram screen. And in the second one, shit got weird. Accused him of being gay, these long conversations about the emasculation of the black man, and it, it went crazy. But Ebony published an op-ed on its site addressing uh, the naysayers. They put some bass in their voice when they wrote it too. Um... <laughs> The op-ed written by Savannah Taylor, I'm not familiar with her. The title of the op-ed is Your Discomfort with Ebony's Jonathan Majors Cover Reveals More About You Than You Think. So last episode when I talked about this, I said of the cover, I feel like maybe they're, they're targeting like a different demo. The second cover was not the one that appealed to me. I preferred the first one. I thought, and I said, that I thought they were aiming for a different aspect of the Ebony demo. Primarily, I thought they were going for the queer audience. And I was like, look, you want to do a cover that, that's sexy and you're appealing to an audience that likes men? Like, okay, go after what traditionally like heterosexual women like and go after what some queer folks might be interested in too. It's a little bit for everybody. It's a fantasy. This article spoke to the stylist of the shoot, Alexander Julian. And he said he drew inspiration from for that second cover where he's wearing like the pink fluffy sweater and then like the boots pants combo thing. Um, there's an anime character called Don Quixote do Flamingo. There's a show called One Piece. I'm not familiar with it. I'm not an anime fan. Nothing wrong with anime. I just never got into it. But he said that that was the style inspiration for the Jonathan Majors cover. He says the show talks about real world issues like slavery, government, corruption, and other mature themes. And so he wanted to, to bring that in. Julian says, quote, cosplay wasn't the shoot's theme. He says cosplay wasn't the shoot's theme, but he found inspiration from Doflamingo, who is an extremely masculine character on the show. He went further to say, quote, black comic book fans would likely resonate with this because there's a lot of crossover between comic book, Marvel fans and anime fans. He said, I thought the look would resonate with a specific group of people who have poured themselves into these mediums that have not always been socially accepted. And he also says these genres have millions of black fans who are not always represented in the fandom. So there's like layers to this Jonathan Major cover. But the writer goes on to say that the negativity regarding Major's presentation on the cover, she talks about the blush covered coat, she talks about the crossed legs. She says it's reflective of so many things plaguing our community. Quote, the chokehold that hypermasculinity has on a large chunk of us. The failure to imagine black manhood is something more than physical stereotypes. And the ways in which internalized homophobia dictates folks' daily, daily movements. She says the conversation about him being emasculated exposed ugly thinking that's deep-rooted in our community. Ebony's editor-in-chief, Marielle Bobo, used to work with her at Essence many, many, many years ago. We're in different departments. She was a fashion girl. I was working in relationships. Totally other side of the office. She said she knew that the second cover was going to generate a visceral response. And she said that they put the cover out. It was, quote, intentional. As the entire goal with the creative was to challenge stereotypes around black masculinity. 
She also said the first cover, the one where, where Majors is throwing roses, she said it's a reimagining of an Allen Iverson Sports Illustrated cover. I need to go look that up because I totally didn't make that connection. I was a huge Allen Iverson fan. Not as big as my roommate in college. Like I had collages of men on my wall. But she had a shrine. Like it was a bona fide shrine to Allen Iverson. Like she loved him. No one loved Allen Iverson more than Valerie. Marielle points out that there is no agenda to emasculate black men. At least not by Ebony. She says, if anything, there is a mission to allow them to feel liberated from the dictation that governs how a man should act in society based on outdated rules. The writer continues, we must realize the more we force black men to subscribe to thuggish stereotypes, the further away we are drifting from true freedom. I like this. I like the challenge to masculinity. I like invoking conversations. I like that there are layers to the covers. I think, and it's not problematic, I'm just mentioning it because, you know, it's, it's notably left out. I think there's several things that are happening in this cover that people responded to. And I think if you removed one particular one, which is not mentioned in this conversation, you get less negative feedback. And it's a, it's a conversation worth having about why do we take this one thing and assign so much to it. But in this article, they talk about the cross legs, they talk about the pants, they talk about the jacket, but they don't talk about majors with the duck lips, essentially. For it's largely, you know, what women do in selfies and Instagram photos, and largely what's, you know, considered something that femme persons do. And I think that's where a lot of that came from. And it's like, I think you could have the legs crossed, and I think you could have the jacket, and I also think you could have the the pant boost combo but i think like the duck lips is kind of what pushed it over the edge for a lot of people and brought out a lot of questioning and still like none of those things make you gay or queer or anything else it's like do you, do you want to have a relationship with somebody are you sexually attracted to somebody like those are the things that factor into that it's not a facial expression it's not a style of clothing so yeah i'm glad ebony responded because there was a lot to be said i don't think it's going to change anybody's mind per se um but i'm glad that they explained what their process was i think the type of person that gets in the comments section and it start starts raging about you know the emasculation of black men and calling somebody gay based on like a sweater or even like a, a moment where their lips are pursed i think there's a type of person who sees something and wonders and was like hmm and then i think there's a type of person that goes like you know thumb thugging in comment section and i don't know if those people can be Taught, educated, I don't know if they're interested in it. Kevin Hart, we talked about Kevin Hart last week and how he hasn't been involved in any drama. And I was like, good for Kevin Hart, because there was a time. And I was like, I feel like he's doing much better. Like, I give him grace because I feel like he's seeking it. I was like, you know, I think Kevin Hart's in a good place. I can't say I spoke too soon, because Kevin Hart is in a bit of drama right now, but I don't think it's any of his own doing. I told y'all he was here in Johannesburg, and I went to a dinner for him and he, he did like a one-on-one -on -one talk and he didn't say anything crazy. He didn't embarrass black Americans. He didn't embarrass himself. He was actually thoughtful and smart and wasn't like on as a comedian. Like he was like in serious like businessman mode. He was, he was good. But I told you he was, he was here because he's got a new film coming out tour and he's on a comedy tour. I didn't know where else he was going other than South Africa, but he was here and then he left the continent and went to Dubai and then he came back to the continent and there's a specific reason I'm saying the continent and he was supposed to perform in Egypt um, but the show got shut down. So first they said it was for logistical reasons which is very vague and then they came back and was like actually here's the issue. 
So sometime in December, Kevin Hart allegedly, and I have to say allegedly because there's no record of any of this, Kevin Hart started trending in Egypt and he was accused of blackwashing Egyptian history. There were viral hashtags about canceling his comedy show in Egypt. Like it was literally hashtag cancel Kevin Hart show. Not very imaginative, but effective nonetheless in getting the message across. And then it was hashtag Kevin Hart is not welcome in Egypt. And this all came up because they announced that he was doing this show. And then this quote started circulating that was attributed to Kevin Hart, where he said, allegedly, quote, we must teach our children the true history of black Africans when they were kings in Egypt and not just the era of slavery that is cemented by education in America. Do you remember the time when we were kings? So I don't follow Kevin Hart that closely. I'm, I'm obviously familiar with him. I'm familiar with you know public statements. I've seen him speak recently. I've read interviews that he's done. Could he have absolutely said this? I mean, to me, it's factually accurate. I don't see any problem with him saying it. But it also just doesn't sound to me like something Kevin Hart would say, at least not the way it's quoted. We must teach our children the true history of black Africans when they were kings in Egypt. I could maybe see him saying that. The, and not just the era of slavery that is cemented by education in America. Americans don't really speak that way. Express the idea, yes, but... The era of slavery that is cemented by education in America. I think it's the cemented by education. I know it's like parsing words and shit, but words mean things. And also the use of words and who uses them and how they use them mean things. It's not something that I can see Kevin Hart saying. And to be quite honest, I can't really see an American saying. It's just not how Americans speak English. The other issue with this, I've been reading articles about Kevin Hart's cancellation all morning. Everything that I read, it says, Kevin Hart said in a past interview. Kevin Hart said in an interview. But it never says where. There's never a link to the interview. There's never a link to who was the interviewer, what publication it ran on, what radio interview, what news station. Did he tweet it? Did he put it on Instagram? Was it on the red carpet? Where did this quote come from? No one seems to know, not in the international press, not in the Egyptian press, not in the American press. I've read no less than 20 articles just because I'm being an asshole about it. And I was like, but where did he say it? I can't find any publication, credible or otherwise, that attributes this quote to a publication. It's just the standard journalism practice that when you quote someone, if you didn't do the direct interview, you say, they said this in People, they said this on Twitter, they said this on the red carpet at XYZ. There's no Kevin Hart said this wherever. And I was like, is this like Tommy Hilfiger saying he don't want black people to wear his clothes? And then years later, Tommy Hilfiger is like, I never said that shit. Kevin Hart at the time that I'm recording it has not addressed it. But the show is canceled. It's absolutely not happening. One of the other things I was researching this morning, and I had to stop myself because I was like, this is ridiculous. I was researching about black people in Egypt because the show has been canceled. Um... The idea is that Kevin Hart is blackwashing Egyptian history. The articles I'm reading, they've been quoting all these people on Twitter that are part of the backlash. And here's one I'll read to you. 
This is a tweet. This man wrote about Kevin Hart. He used, he used one of the hashtags. He says, you aren't welcome to Egypt. Egyptians aren't Africans. We're the real builders of civilization. No one else. The Afrocentric is just a lie. They're liars. Egypt is our land, not the Africans. Hear about this story, and I'm up researching the black history of Egypt as if this is something that is honestly up for debate. I, I skipped over the African part. We'll talk about that in a second. I saw somebody comment today. They were like, Egyptians are the Dominicans of Africa, by which they meant, this is not all Dominicans, but it's a significant and vocal portion of Dominicans damn, who will argue you down that they're not black. They're Dominican. And I'm like, okay, one is a race, one is an ethnicity. Um, you're also darker than me and your hair is kinkier than mine. Your nose is broader and your lips are fuller. What do you mean you're not black? Some of that is social constructions of race, which I've been you know, dealing with a lot being on the continent. We talked, I think we talked about before how like the guy called me colored and I was like, no, I'm black. And he was like, no, you're a mixture, you're colored. And then he kept calling me Lisa from coming to America Lisa McDowell. It, it was a whole thing. Like, he was joking about it. Like, he was funny. He was like, you're a mixture, Lisa. And I was like, who? Was, who the fuck is Lisa? It's like, coming to America. Like, okay, all right, okay, all right. But he argued me down that I wasn't black. So I'm like, you know, maybe some of, of vocal Dominicans, I'm being very careful with my words because I don't want to stereotype all the Dominican Republic, but vocal Dominicans who deny that they're black, part of that could be their social construction of race. America operates off the one drop rule. Everyone else, I don't actually think anybody else does, but our social construction of race is not the definitive social construction. Other people are allowed to define race and create it in the way that they see fit. All of it's an influence of slavery, colonization, or some combination of the two. They're kind of the same difference. That said, perhaps there's something going on with Egypt where they have a social construction that defines black in a way that Americans don't. And so it's jarring to us to hear them say, you know, not black. So I want to give Egypt grace there. I've never been and I'm not well educated enough on Egypt to speak about their construction of race. I am well educated enough to do research though. Before I stopped myself, I was researching and I found this article from 1987. It's in the Washington Post. And the title of the article is The Black Roots of Egypt's Glory. Because apparently Egypt has been in denial about their black ancient history for quite some time. And so there's been several researchers that have gone in and been like, hey, Egypt started off black. And this is how I'm going to tell you. There was one researcher, I'm looking for his name now, um, last name Diop, Senegalese scholar, that dedicated himself to learning about the black origin of Egyptians. And he was like, for starters, they called the land Kemet, which literally meant black land. And then he says the name for themselves was Kamu, K-A-M-I-U. And he said it literally translates to the blacks. He also went and researched some Greek writers of antiquity, including Aristotle, and he noted how they described the Egyptians. And he said they were very clear to talk about their black skin and their woolly hair. He went and studied the melanin content of the mummies. And, you know, they were black too. He was like, this is not really up for debate about whether ancient Egyptians on the continent of Africa were black. 
common sense should tell you one, but just in case it doesn't, please look at the writings. Please look at the namings. Please look at the melanin count and the mummies. I'm reading this shit. I was like, this proves it. This proves it. This proves it. And I had to stop myself because there's a quote from Toni Morrison, which I've never forgotten, even though I'm acting like I did, that talks about the function of racism. I'm going to read it to you real quick because I think it's important. She said, the function, the very serious function of racism is distraction. It keeps you from doing your work. It keeps you explaining over and over again your reason for being. Somebody says you have no language and you spend 20 years proving that you do. Somebody says your head isn't shaped properly, so you have scientists working on the fact that it is. Somebody says you have no art, so you dredge that up. Somebody says you have no kingdoms, so you dredge that up. None of this is necessary. There will always be more than one thing. Entertaining this idea that ancient Egyptians weren't black is, is nonsense, distraction, busy work. This is an established fact. Arguing against it makes no sense. Researching it as if trying to prove what's already been proven, which again, it's common sense, is a waste of time. So I stopped wasting my time. For whatever reason, they don't want Kevin Hart in Egypt. Um, it sounds like a case of fucked up racism that they're trying to hide under the guise of said offensive things. A quote that nobody can attribute to any outlet or any date or any publication. They just don't want him there. They're, they're doing that alternative fact shit that we do here. They're doing this alternative rewriting of history, the same shit that we do here. And they decided they don't want Kevin Hart there. And so now he's not. I do want to speak for a moment about the idea of Egyptians arguing that Egypt is our land and not the Africans. Do they teach geography in Egypt? I don't understand how there are so many Egyptians on social media talking about like, no, we're not African. Egypt doesn't belong to Africans. It belongs to us. Like, nigga, you are African. You literally reside on the continent of Africa and will be like, not African. Huh? Sure. And this is where I invoke Toni Morrison. How do I prove to you? Like, it's like, how do you prove to somebody the sun is hot? The sky is blue. Grass is green. Egypt is in Africa. Okay. What did we just say from good Toni Morrison? What did we just say? The function, the very serious function of racism is distraction. I cannot be distracted from very other important things going on in my life, arguing with people who currently reside on land in Africa that they're not African. Fine. You know what? Kevin Hart to perform? Don't perform. It's not like he's going to go broke because of it. The show is insured. Everyone will get their money and life will go on. That's it. What time is it? We're so far over today. I'm going to save Stephanie Mills and Beyonce and Diana Ross. I logged on last night. I saw Diana Ross was trending. My heart started beating fast. I thought Diana Ross had died. I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Come to find out, y'all mofos is just mad that Stephanie Mills holds Diana Ross in higher esteem than Beyonce. Are, are you kidding me? There is no Beyonce without Diana Ross. Both elegant, glamorous, talented women, but trying to put Diana Ross, who is the orchestrator of Beyonce's entire career, tried to put them side by side, trying to make them equal to one another. No, both highly talented have made great music, proven to last by Diana Ross, likely to last by Beyonce. She hasn't lived long enough. In the year of our Lord, 2023, we're still singing songs that Diana Ross made in the 1960s. That was 60 years ago. Will we be doing that for Beyonce? Maybe, likely, possibly, probably. But we don't know yet. She ain't lived long enough. You can't put those two on the same plane. But Diana Ross is trending. People saying all sorts of crazy shit about Diana Ross. Like going in on Diana Ross, the boss.
Diana Ross. Like, have you people lost your fucking minds? They have. We'll talk more about that next episode. We also need to talk about Angela Davis being a descendant of the Mayflower. And people thinking that Angela Davis was upset because they, she just found out she had white ancestry. And I was like, "Are you? do you know who the fuck Angela Davis is? She's an African-American studies professor. And, and, and a former Black Panther. Do you honestly think Angela Davis, Angela Davis was unaware about, I don't know, miscegenation, white slave masters raping women, like black people with white ancestry. Do you you honestly think Angela Davis doesn't have a mayor in her house? She wasn't mad about the white part. She was mad about the Mayflower part. The Mayflower, the Mayflower, the fucking Mayflower. Those are like the most elitist, exclusionary white folks. They are the architect for all that got fucked up in America. That's why she was upset. It wasn't just like, oh, you have white ancestry. Yeah, I have a mirror. No, it was Mayflower white. Mayflower white? It's offensive. We'll talk about that next episode. We also got to talk about Deion Sanders. I'm not even going into that shit right now. His whole, I only recruit quarterbacks that come from two-parent families because those are the ones that have leadership skills and high GPAs and don't make mistakes off the field. Like, nigga, what? What? We'll talk about that next episode. That shit pissed me off so bad. If a white person said that shit, we'd be like, oh, is he in the Klan? Because it's like cartoonishly racist. And yet it just flowed so comfortably out of Deion Sanders' mouth on a podcast. I'm like, you you said that shit out loud. Again, this wasn't even like a hot mic situation. Like, remember Don Lemon said that crazy shit last week about women aging and what their prime is and, and blah, blah, blah. A couple people wrote in about that. And they were like, well, Don was responding because Nikki Haley, like, she was saying Joe Biden, like, he wasn't in his prime and he was too old and blah, blah, blah. And so Don was responding. And I was like, I get it. Like, Nikki Haley's an ass. And Don wanted to say, like, some, you know, some slick shit back to bring her down a peg. He said the wrong thing. What he said was fucked up. He's a journalist. You can't say that shit. Nikki Haley shouldn't say that shit. Two wrongs don't make it right. I know generally we like Don, but we can call a thing a thing. When Don fucks up, it's okay to say, like, Don, you fucked up. We'll save some for next week. And that's that. Okay. Bye.